The following is a Klaibs online production. Lunch with Klaibs and Joe on ClaibsOnline.com. And a good Monday afternoon to you. Welcome on in to another edition of Lunch with Klaibs and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. I'm Joe Roderick, and joined alongside, as always, there's Mike Claiborne for another week. What's going on, Klaibs? All good, Joe. Um, we're in the midst of the summer. We got baseball that's supposed to come back. The NBA is supposed to come back. The NHL is supposed to come back. Uh, we got a lot of fun things that I'm looking forward to. We can just uh, get over this first hump, so to say, um, with dealing with COVID. But overall, things are promising. Let's just put it that way. I was just, we have sports. We have actual real sports to talk about today. We have Bob Nightingale, who's going to be joining us here in about five minutes or so and jump on and talk about everything that's going on with the uh, with the world of baseball it didn't. It didn't hit on the day that you said. It took a few more days after that, and I think it had to do with a few positive cases. But as we uh, as we sit here today, it looks like we do have a start date for the uh, for the base 2020 baseball season. It, July what 23rd, 24th is what we're looking at for that opening day. Yeah, I think the Cardinals will probably play on the 24th because uh, the way it's set up, the Nationals and the Yankees will open up the season on the 23rd. And that would be so. You're going to start the season, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. That's a uh, that's a pretty good way to start the season. Yeah, and you know, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Where you got two of the best pitchers in the game that are going against each other, which could lead to maybe a four hits combined in the game as long as they're in it. So it may not provide to be very exciting as far as offense is concerned. But, you know, it's one of those situations you just want to see the game being played. So why not start with the best pitchers? So I'll just wait and see. As long as it's something that's for real, I'm just about game for anything right now. We uh, There's so much to get into in regards to the start of the Major League Baseball season. The Cardinals announced their, or I guess posted their roster yesterday. We still don't know the actual schedule that's out yet, but we, we, have, we, we have the – I guess the tent poles in place with that schedule. We know who the teams are going to be playing. So before we get Bob Nightingale on, I guess if if we start there with the whole schedule, does that I mean, do is there any way to kind of handicap if that favors the Cardinals or goes against them getting to play those AL teams and getting to play the Pirates as many times as they are this this year? I think it balances out well because you've got the Pirates, you've got Detroit that you can beat up on. In exchange, you're going to have to deal with Cleveland. The White Sox are going to be pretty good. That is one, I'm telling you. And with the guests that I had on this weekend, we kind of touched on that. Is I have I have seen a few posts of hey, you get to play, you know, you get to play the Tigers, you get to play the White Sox, and I'm looking at that. People, I, I don't think that that Cardinal fans or National League fans realize what the White Sox went out and did this offseason. The White Sox and the Reds had the two best offseasons of any teams in baseball overall. I, you can look at the Yankees going out and spending the money they did on Garrett Cole, but when you look at an overall body of work for the players that were brought in, nobody did a better job than the Reds and the White Sox and maybe the Padres when it came to improving their teams. No, I agree with you. Uh, 
And, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a challenge for the Cardinals because we just talked about two teams we normally don't see. I think Cincinnati made the biggest improvement in the offseason, and I thought they were pretty good last year, especially in the second half. So I don't think there's going to be a cakewalk for any team in any of these divisions. Uh, we know Cleveland's going to be fairly competitive. How about Kansas City? I mean, Mike Matthews taking over a team that's got just enough players to make it interesting. I don't think they have enough pitching. Uh, so you got to deal with them. And then you've got the Cubs uh, with a new manager. Uh, you know, they're going to they're going to compete a little bit. And then there's Milwaukee, who I'm just not sure what they're doing right now. Um, you know, they didn't make any real changes in the offseason. I thought they were a little short on pitching. They still are. Uh, their bullpen might be a little bit better, but who knows? So I, I think overall and then there's Minnesota. There, there's a team that we have to pay close attention to a postseason team of last year, and they can swing the bat. They've also improved their pitching. So that's a team we have to deal with. But the, the good thing about it is you only see, you don't see those teams as much as you're going to see teams in your own division. So nobody have the paperwork on you, but you can certainly fatten up on a Detroit and uh, certainly Pittsburgh. But other than that, I think you better show up and bring your A game just like everybody else expects to. Yeah, we uh, we'll talk it over a little more with Bob Nightingale coming up in just a uh, just a little bit. Just want to mention this show driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura claims right now it's the red, white, and blue sale. It started. You can go in and uh, get. 0.9%, that's 0.9% APR for up to 72 months on select new cars. Uh, if you're already an owner of a 2010 or newer Acura, one of their sales consultants can help you with the Acura loyalty offer where you can receive up to $3,000 towards cap cost reduction and down payment assistance. Munganass St. Louis Acura, there for you. Let them help you get into a new Acura that you've been dreaming of at 13720 Manchester Road. Go by there. Say hi to our friend uh, Jamie Burkhardt up there at uh, St. Louis Munganass Acura and tell him that you were sent by the folks at uh, ClabesOnline.com. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk here about the Cardinal roster until Bob Nightingale joins us. Any surprises as far as what you've seen so far with any of these rosters, including the uh, the Cardinals? Because right now it's a, it's a little weird. It is like a February roster that you're seeing without before all the cuts. Not really. I, I think you know you got forty what forty four guys for thirty spots. I think one of the situations you're going to see is some young names that some of our viewers haven't had a chance to see or hear about. I just think they want them to get some some reps in, get a little work in, and compete in a in a, an advanced spring training, so to say. Uh, and I think that gives you an idea of who the future players are in this organization. Uh, Acevedo is a really good looking player, uh, young Cuban. I mean, he looks the part of nothing else. The, you know, the question is how much work will a Dylan Carlson have an opportunity to get? Well, you got thirty spots. Uh, how you utilize those spots will be interesting. But overall, I, I look at the numbers that they brought in. They didn't want to clutter this thing up. I, I think that was very important not to clutter it up with players who are going to be in the way. That's a manageable number. They'll stagger the workouts. Uh, so it'll be something that they can deal with and really evaluate what they have and how they're going to utilize guys. The more gloves you bring to the ballpark, Joe, the more effective you're going to be because they're going to have some situations where they're going to move guys around. 
I think the optimum spot on this ball club will be the DH and how they use that. And there'll be a variety of people that they may look at in that position. It won't be the traditional big slug that can come up and all they can do is swing the bat. Uh, I, I, I really look at them trying to make sure that that's a versatile position on their ball club for this year. Let me ask you this question, though. Now, roll this out before. Do you have room for Yasiel Puig to rent? If he's in shape no. and ready to go. Not Puig. No, not the Cardinals do not have room for Yasiel Puig. Well, here's why I, so here's why I ask the question. If, I don't know if you – did you hear the interview I had with Polo over the weekend? If you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, we bring up Yasiel Puig and we talk about where he would fit or what kind of team he would fit on. And when you talk about the DH, that that brings me to kind of the interview we had where I think a guy like Puig put him out somewhere in San Diego, a National League team who probably wasn't preparing to have a DH and has a lot of young flair already on that team and put him there and just see what happens. See what happens. If it's not working out, cut ties with it. But with the Cardinals, it's a situation where you have – you know, do you give Paul Goldschmidt a day off of first base to let him DH and put Carpenter there? Or do you put Carpenter, I mean, is Carpenter going to be your DH a majority of the time so Edmund can play third base? What do you do with all those outfield positions? With the, I feel like the Cardinals can constantly be moving that around to where you give a guy like a DeYoung or a Goldschmidt a day off from the field but still keep that bat in the lineup and still keep so many different guys fresh and active. Well, here's my approach. I'm looking at Puig as a guy that's a late-inning guy defensively. I mean, there are very few people who throw better than him. And I'm looking at a guy that maybe is late, maybe it's that 10th inning with the runner on second, a guy who can throw somebody out. Um, what I'm, I guess one of the concerns you would have is how he manage a team like this. Well, you've got enough veterans on this ball club, and – you know, you don't have Ozuna, you don't have Martinez, you know, you've got a guy that in Yachty who can kind of regulate things. Just a, just a shot in the dark. I mean, I'm written him. I mean, he, it's a guy that I'm carrying for 60 games. Uh, and I just think he's got enough talent, if you can harness it, to give you just a little bit of extra oomph. And, you know, whether he's a DH or he's a late-inning guy that you put in right field or somewhere where you feel like you can make a play at the plate, uh, that that's the situation I would look at. This is lunch with Klaibs and Joe. You're watching it on Facebook or Twitter. And Klaibs, we've been doing this show for about six, seven weeks now, and we welcome on our first guest onto the uh, onto the show as we're uh, we give this a try from USA Today. He's Bob Nightingale, and he joins us now. Bob, how you doing? Yeah, doing great, Joe. Hey, Mike. Hey, Bob. Nice office you got there, man. I need to come hang out. And you got a nice little rascala going on in the back. <laughs> exactly. Hang out here. Hey, Bob, well, first of all, kudos to you uh, in trying to keep us informed with regard to everything that's unfolded with baseball. Uh, I, I know that had to be one of the great challenges in your career to try and keep it fresh and keep, keep people updated because there were so many balls in the air. What was it like for you, though? Because, and granted, we haven't played a game yet. That, that's the other thing that we need to take into account. But what was it like for you to be on both ends of this thing, getting information from both sides as far as negotiations were concerned? Because this thing was ever flowing 
where we had so many different things going on at one time. But your experience personally for it. Yeah, well, just crazy how uh, out in the open it was. I mean, you, you saw the, the hatred between both sides, you know, the dishonesty uh, that they accused each other of. I mean, the strangest one was when uh, Rod Manfred flew out to Phoenix and met with Tony Clark, you know, and uh, one night comes back the next day and tells all the owners, we got a deal, get ready to play, 60-game season, here we go. And then Tony Clark and Union says, what are you talking about? We didn't agree to anything. So they could never even agree on what they agreed on. It's just a mess. And, you know, they weren't getting any closer. Uh, I think, you know, both sides were very frustrated. And so I think Manfred finally said, okay, enough's enough. Here's, here's a 60-game season. Uh, they are holding out some hope that, okay, before the opening day here on, you know, July 24th for most teams, you know, can they reach some kind of deal with expanded postseason? And maybe for players to, you know, get some of their money. Uh, they, you know, got like – like Jack Flaherty is going to be playing for free for the whole year because he got his money up front. Those young guys don't make much. Uh, they don't get it done the rest of the year. So where do we go with this? Are they still going to continue to talk in hopes of maybe expanding postseason? And I guess the other thing that would come into play is how effective or what the impact COVID-19 is going to have on everybody or whether they think they can pull that off. Yeah, who knows? At least we're going to give it a try. I'd be interesting to see if they, you know, once they started, if they had to stop it, whether they would try to restart it again. My guess would they would. Uh, yeah, the postseason money, I mean, same thing. Uh, the, the players get paid on game receipts. If there's no fans in the stands during the postseason, you can win the World Series. You don't get a penny from it. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if every player's getting excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's still, you know, an opening if, if both sides come to agreement. I mean, chances are very small since they couldn't do it beforehand. But I think even the players would want a 16-team uh, postseason because anything can happen in the short season. Bob, have you uh, have, have you heard at all or, or been told what things will be like for you covering baseball this season? Yeah, it's going to be uh, just the uh, for the writers and uh, print media for sure is just your restricted the press box. Even if there's no fans of stands. You can't sit behind home plate or behind a dugout or anything like that. Uh, they'll take your temperature for all of us, you know. You, Mike, uh, walks in. If you're over 100.4, you're not going to be a mention of the ballpark. So everything's just going to be done on Zoom calls, uh, you know, like this and uh, in conference calls. You know, I know that we're trying to deal with something that we've never had happen before. I hope baseball doesn't feel like they could – you know, run a railroad like this after this season because this is uh, not only a challenge, but my concern is with hockey and basketball returning and other sports trying to make a way, baseball can get lost in the vacuum by alienating so many people along the way. And I understand they have to do that initially, but I hope they don't feel like they can carry this on from this point on. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, the players will be uh, cooperative with the, uh, you know, especially the broadcast uh Teams, you know that the idea was the players were going to get uh, five thousand. Whoever participated get five thousand a game. If you're going to be uh, live mic during game, having you know exchange between the two uh, teammates, like you saw last spring with the uh, Rizzo and and Bryant, uh, and, and go from there. But they need to enhance the broadcast to make it exciting for uh, fans because I think fans back home are going to say, "Man, this is dull," you know, without yeah. seeing crowd reaction and things like that. 
And we, uh, we've seen uh, with NBC and ESPN have done it with soccer. They've added crowd noise to the broadcast. I don't know if that would actually work for, for baseball or what kind of crowd noise you could really put in there. It's a diff- different atmosphere than European soccer. Yeah, you're going to have to have music for sure. That would surprise me they have some crowd noise. Because I know when they had that game in 2015 between the Orioles and White Sox, no uh, walk-up music, no noise whatsoever. Those guys says it was just so dull and just an eerie feeling. So I think they learned their lesson from that game alone that, hey, we got to spice some things up, even with artificial sound. Bob, we were talking before you got on here. We were really talking about Yasiel Puig and if he would fit in with the Cardinals or where he might fit in anywhere in baseball. Which National League team right now do you think is set up the best since they get to have the uh, the designated hitter? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously some – some teams have got the guy, you know, ready made for it. You know, like the Cubs with the Kyle Schwarber, you know, ready made. Uh, you know, the Reds got a couple of guys that that can fill that role. I think most teams will just use as a revolving spot. Uh, and I haven't heard, you know, Matt Kemp got released from the Marlins. I think he might hook on with somebody. But you know, a lot of uh, National League teams, like the Rockies, already have a Daniel Murphy there. You know, and Ian Desmond. So, uh, you know, I think a guy like Yashel Puig may be the outside looking in, uh, depending on how many guys uh, test positive here in the next few days. We're visiting with Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. And, Bob, one of the other things that comes into play is some of the rule changes, you know, the runner at second, the three batter minimum. Uh, what do you think is going to stick? Uh, something we may see more of. And what do you think is something? And I think if baseball is going to do anything, they need to just throw as many things on the wall in the 60-game schedule and see what actually happens in the future because we talk about all the time how they need to spice it up, make it more entertaining, create more interest for younger fans. But what are some of the things you think might stick? Well, the DH will stick. I mean, it could go away next year in the National League, but then begin 2022, here to stay. Uh, the runner on second base, I could see that sticking if you begin it maybe in the 12th inning or 13th inning, something like that. I'm not sure it's going to stick to the 10th inning. Be interested to see if fans like it. Yeah, you know, if you, when you think about it, of all the four major sports, baseball has the most boring overtime. You know, after the ninth inning, fans stream up, up for the exits. We're moaning and groaning in the, in the press boxes. It's just a uh, you know some some dull baseball. So I think that's got a chance to stick it maybe at a later later inning. I'm interested to see how every reacts to this uh, three batter minimum rule because that's still in effect. And these guys aren't ready to pitch. I think I think we're going to see some games decided just because of that. The wrong guy comes in there and costs his team a win because he's too wild or giving up home run after home run. You know, one of the other things, Bob, I wanted to ask you about, you know, we, we're in a sprint mode. Give me a team we might want to pay attention to. I think in the National League, I look at Cincinnati, and I want to look at San Diego as two teams that might make this very interesting if they get off on the right foot. Yeah, and that's a beauty, but this thing is just everybody has a chance. I like the teams who have, uh, you know, the veterans teams. So a team like the Reds have a lot of newcomers in there. Let's see if they can gel, you know, right away. That could be tough. They're, they're certainly explosive. They got some guys like Trevor Bauer have a lot of money riding on this uh, short season, so they got to be top performance. Uh, hey, it pays off to be in the central region. It's just so, so much easier to be in the National League or AL Central. If you're in the AL East or NL East, it's a complete nightmare. 
just because there's no, uh, you know, outside the Marlins and Orioles, there's no other pushovers. It's going to be weird kind of watching it as a fan this year, knowing that you're not going to see any of those teams in the East or any of those teams in the West. But I, I think one of the most intriguing things this year is going to happen in the West because we're going to get the Dodgers versus the Astros four times this year in games that are going to matter a whole lot more. With what happened to the Astros in the preseason, do you think some of that's going to go away or any of the retaliation is going to go away because it's such a short season? Well, I mean, it would be fascinating if there was fans. So no fans, no, you know, except unless the grounds crew is uh, booing you, no one's going to uh, boo. Uh, <laughs> but there is a lot of hatred between the two sides. But you got to be careful. I mean, a short season, you get suspended 10, 15 games, you know, that's a, that's a killer for a team. So, you know, those, those that guideline, strict rules, you know, no fighting, you know, whatsoever. So if someone throws at somebody, maybe just two guys go at each other and that's it. Uh, but, yeah, but there, there still is hatred over that for sure. Two final questions for me, Bob. Um, with what we saw with owners and players just to get 60 games under the, under the schedule, we've got 2021 where everybody's going to save their money. What are the chances of them actually sitting down and getting something done before we even get to the middle of 2021 and, and, and beyond? Because I think everybody thinks we're going to have a season in 2022 by what we've had a chance to witness recently. So that's my first question. The second, when you look at this whole scenario, the guys that are going to be out are going to be young players, as you mentioned, like the Black Flaherty, and potential free agents like the Houston Bats and some guys who are really sitting on the payday. That's going to go away as well. How are they going to make that adjustment? Yeah, I mean, first question, I think that the three of us have a chance to start in the center field for the Cardinals, then those guys come into a quick agreement. I think no chance. <laughs> And they couldn't get this done during pandemic and nothing else going on in the world. So that's going to be ugly. I don't think it'll affect next year, but it could certainly trickle into uh, 2022. And, uh, yeah, I think the free agent market's going to be a, a nightmare for guys. I mean, Wilkie Betts turned down, you know, uh, $325 million for the Red Sox. You know, no one's going to be throwing that kind of money around now. And uh, we'll see. And I think guys who are arbitration eligible, you know, not a guy like Jack Flaherty, but guys who are uh, just okay players, I think those guys will get non-tender to flood the free agent market as well. Uh, I would not want to be a free agent this uh, upcoming winter. Bob, we appreciate the time. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you over the next few weeks as we uh, head to real baseball being played. Hey, Bob, are you going to buy a new couch to sit on and watch these games? <laughs> Very colder here. <laughs> Bob, hey, thank thanks, you so Bob. much. You too. Take care, guys. Take care. That's Bob Nightingale from USA Today joining us. Uh, joining us here, and I, so I, I know I asked you the same question last week, but now we're we're a week more. I guess clo we're a week closer to baseball. What do you know about what you are going to be doing for coverage? I, I saw Derek Gould's article about some of the rules and restrictions it's everything what have you been told uh we have been told a great deal they kind of looked this couple of options uh the the big issue here is uh they're not going to allow us to travel with the team and from what i understand we may not even be able to stay in the same hotel if we travel which creates a couple of other scenarios where you can either fly on your own or you know or or you can drive well, 
I think trying to get up and, and get to an airport to be on the first flight out to go to another city might be a little bit of a challenge these days. And if you're going to drive, you better make sure you have somebody else do the driving after you've done a game and you're going to hop in a car and, you know, you've got your equipment and everything. I, I think it might be safe for us just to stay in St. Louis and work from here uh, unless they're going to put a person on the ground there and maybe they travel one person. Um, that, that might work. But I think overall, uh, they're still trying to feel it out. And, you know, we've got some time to uh, work through it. Uh, you know, there have been some discussions, but right now um, it's kind of in limbo and we'll just kind of wait and see. The, the other on, on the TV side, it, from what I read, I mean, if I'm if I misinterpreted it, let me know, because it sounds like Danny Mac, for example, will call the 30 home games and then the 30 road games. If we're watching on Fox Sports Midwest, we're going to get whoever the TV guru is for that uh, for that home stadium. Well, no, I, I think what they're going to do is uh, they'll be in a, in a studio doing the game off a monitor. They'll be it'll be Danny Mac and whomever whether it's uh, Ricky or Jim Edmonds or Brad Thompson, they'll, they'll work from a monitor in a studio, but they'll get the feed from the home team is from what I understand. Okay. So they're not going to travel anybody um, because, you know, they've got, they've got commercials to sell too, and they've got their, their, their way of doing things, you know, for their own broadcast. So yeah. uh, that's the impression I was given that that's how they're going to do it. Okay. Yeah. And like, I mean, we, we talked about the no, the no fighting, the no spitting, the no chewing. It's good luck on that. I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, I just think there's too many intangibles when the emotions start to run high. Uh, guys are going to go back to what they're accustomed to doing. And so here's my question to you. So if I'm spitting seeds or I'm spitting or whatever, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to find me. You're going to suspend me. You're going to put me in timeout. You know, I mean, what, 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 what's the penalty? Yeah, no, it's uh, that it's it's crazy to think that, yeah, one of the umpires, his job is going to be to watch, look around and see who's spitting or you have to take the chance of the camera possibly catching you. Yeah. And it's it, those are the, the kind of the ridiculous add ons that maybe mm -hmm. the players did for health reasons and just kind of threw it in there. But they're not things that you'll be able to manage. We talked about the Cardinal roster and. The we'll end up finding out the taxi roster or the Springfield roster here shortly as well. And who's on that. One of the other interesting things, the twins, and I imagine other major league teams are going to do this too, have already said that two of their regular coaches will not be allowed with the team this year due to their age. They're both in their mid to late sixties. They're not going to be allowed with the, uh, with the team. I'm wondering what other coaches and who else we will uh, will hear that from with some of these other organizations. Well, you got you got to think Dusty Baker's going to be on that list. He just turned 71. Uh, you got some other coaches, some bench coaches around the game that are up in age. Charlie uh, Manuel, he's not with the Phillies anymore. No, he, he was with them last year. Okay, temporarily. Okay. Uh, I'm sure if you go down the roster, Joe, you're going to find some other guys that, that may fit that that description. Although we are trending a little younger as far as coaches are concerned, but I'm sure there's some other guys. The Cardinals are in pretty good shape. I think the oldest guy would maybe be Willie McGee. Uh, you know, he and Mike Maddox might be the two senior guys on the staff. Uh, everybody else is younger. So I don't think it affects them as much. But there are going to be some other teams that are going to have to make some decisions uh, on who's going to do what. So, you know, there, there's still so much to do here. And I know the NBA has got a concern as well. 
where there's at least three coaches that they have or at least 65 and over. So when you look at that element, you've got to take that into account. And, and what about your bench coaches if you're in the NBA? Uh, and we just talked about baseball. I mean, so there are going to be some concerns about some of these guys and whether they can handle it or not. And, you know, they may feel fine. And, and one of the things you look at on the broadcast side, look at some guys that are broadcasters that are getting older and they need to be protected as well. So there are a lot of different elements about this whole issue that still are going to be addressed. Uh, and we may not have true finality until the week we start playing. Do you ever think there was going to be a time in your life when you said that Willie McGee was the oldest person involved with the Cardinals organization? Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. I think Willie's just a little older than me. So <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, Joe, when you, that's a good question you asked because I never thought I'd be in the middle of a pandemic. I never thought I'd be in, in the middle of a, a, a market crash or, or depression where 40 million people are out of work. I, I never thought a lot of things right now. I never thought that sports could be impacted the way it has been because of this pandemic. I never it's, thought that would happen. I, it's, yeah, I never. I, I, I would... To to look back and now that things, I mean, I just I just started today. I just started my job back at the gym. I 107 days, I think I was off doing during this. And to think that back when this started, it was oh we'll have you know baseball might be with no fans or we'll have all of March Madness with no fans. I mean, think back like we did not have March Madness this year. And there has been so much shit that has happened since the middle of March. I think a lot of people have completely forgotten that there was no national champion in college basketball this year. That seems like years ago when that was canceled. You're right. You're absolutely right. I was thinking about that the other day, about all the things that have come and gone that we have been accustomed to, certainly in sports. And, and you know, when you take it one step beyond just socially, uh, whether it's a wedding or a graduation or a funeral, I mean, all those things have gone by the wayside. I mean, I finally went out and had dinner last week outdoors at a restaurant. I mean, you know, I've become a great cook, uh, you know, but, it, you know, there's a lot of things that have changed and things that you 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 took for granted. And now it's been it taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you know, it's, it's real. So as we're getting closer to playing games, as we just talked about, there's still so many things up in the air about how things are going to unfold. And for me, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of plan Bs. This is it or else. And the one thing that I've tried to maintain with this whole dilemma is patience, because I don't know if everybody has the right answer. And when you're talking about, you mentioned the broadcast, I mean, they're working as hard as they can. And I think what they've tried to, they, what, to me, what they've decided on, less is better. The fewer people we have, the fewer people we have to worry about. And, you know, do you, do you suffer in quality? Perhaps. But it's just something that they feel like they need to do initially. But as I said to Bob Nightingale earlier, I hope people don't feel like this is going to be the new norm because it, it has an impact on everyone. You're watching Lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on Klaibs Online, our Facebook and our Twitter pages is where you could find us each and every Monday. Uh, do want to let people know that we have some other stuff planned for the month of July. I know we're talking about doing a few roundtables, and we'll also have a brand new month of This Day in Cardinal History uh, with a lot of audio coming your way, uh, a lot of classic audio coming your way 
in the month of July as well. Uh, we're driven by Munganass Alton Toyota. Their 4th of July sales here now. Munganass Alton Toyota has great leasing offers, low monthly payments, and they have 90-day deferred payments on new cars or certified used cars with low APR starting at 0% for 60 months. Go see them at 850 Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. It's Munganass Alton Toyota. Moving on to a few of the other sports that we know are close to uh, getting started. Starting the NHL with the, the the way they made their news. They, they got themselves in the headline this weekend. Not a way that sports usually do, and that's with a uh, draft lottery possibly being rigged or confused or however you want to say it. But first off, I saw Andy Strickland report the other day that it looks like Chicago and Vegas are the uh, the two possible hub cities that he's uh, that he's seen. So those are the uh, it looks like those are the two that we're possibly down to with uh, with their, I'm sorry, Toronto and Vegas, Toronto and Vegas are the two cities that he said were the possible hub cities. Here's the one concern I have because there's a lot of information floating around. Um, and I'm not saying Andy's wrong. I know he does a good job in trying to keep people informed. But from what I understood, the Western teams would play in the Eastern venue, be it Toronto, and the Eastern teams would play in the Western venue. So here's my question to you. If you're a Ranger fan or a Washington Capital fan, and your team is playing, you might be playing, you might be up until 2 o'clock in the morning watching a game. Yeah. How are you getting fans interested? And, and I just don't understand that element. And maybe they'll change that up because I think what the NHL is trying to do, I commend them and what them and the NBA have done. I think they have certainly tried to move forward and try and do some things that is a little bit more acceptable. Uh, but they didn't have the labor issue to deal with either like, like baseball did. But I would hope that they would take into account the only way that the NHL is going to get back into the homes of fans is via TV. And I think that's asking a lot of a fan on the East Coast to stay up and watch a game that's going to come on West Coast time or mountain time. Can you change where or what time those games are played over? In the, I mean, because it's time, yeah, it's time relevant. Like, yeah, it's you know what? I, I don't think you, you know, maybe what you do is this. Uh, you dedicate a night of games. Uh, you know, you dedicate a night of games for each conference or each venue, you know, where they started, you know, like, as you mentioned, maybe instead of them starting at a traditional time out on the West Coast, they start them earlier. I mean, it's not like they're worried about fans getting there, you know, from a traffic standpoint. And you dedicate that night to that particular venue. Uh, and because everybody's going to have their uh, their regional broadcast, you can, you know, I think it sets up better that way. Yeah, the uh, and the lottery that I was talking about. So they go through the whole lottery system. And Klaibs, you're the hockey guy on this show. The number one overall pick right now is unknown and will be determined once they start the season and have all these play-in games. Well, they're trying to – I don't want to say trick it up, but I think they want to create interest uh, with the draft. There was a frozen envelope, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and that's what it sounds like. And, and you know what? I'm good with it. I, I think that in the NHL, it, it's pretty defined of who the top player through central scouting. Central scouting does uh, a lot of the evaluation, and most people agree with their assessments. 
So I don't think it's going to be too far off the reservation as far as who that pick would be. Uh, now, obviously, it depends on the team and what their need might be. That, that's something you need to take into account. I mean, you know, maybe there's a goal scorer, but you're looking for a good defenseman. You know, so I, think, I really think it depends on the team and their particular need. Yeah, so it's the eight losers of the qualifying round will each have a 12.5% chance of winning the uh, the number one overall pick in the lottery. So they they could end up being the eighth seed in one of the tournaments or they can end up being the number one overall uh pick it's it could go uh it could go one way or the other for uh for some of those really bad teams or middle of the pack teams i guess in the nhl you know i i think what the nhl is trying to do is not make it too confusing i think it's important for them to make sure if anybody understands it it's the general managers on how they're going to draft and how they can position themselves uh, and gradually show the fans on how this thing works. Because when you first look at it, you think we got a real good old-fashioned train wreck in front of us, but that's not necessarily the case. With the uh, with the NBA also getting ready to start too, we, we Bob Nightingale touched on it earlier that we're going to see all the testing done in Major League Baseball. I believe they started testing players today, right? All of the uh, all of the players had they already started that over the weekend? Um, no, they they did staff more than anything else. Players don't have to officially report until the first. Okay, some of them will get ahead if they're there. They can probably do it, but uh, they wanted to do staff more because you have to you, you go into an uh, I think it's 48 hours, you have to shut it down. So I think they'd like to, the first two days of the so-called training session will be more administrative as far as testing. They have to sit out and then they'll probably get into the workouts probably on the third or fourth. So uh, we already saw the NBA, all of their players were tested and 5% of the players tested positive for having COVID-19. When I look at that and you start to kind of learn the numbers of what might be out there in the world as far as positive tests and people that don't know that they have the positive test, 5% of the NBA players having it doesn't really strike me as being that huge of a number, especially when you tested everybody, 5% have it, you shut them down for two weeks, and then you hope that that number drops significantly by the time that they get ready to play. So that's that's a positive – I think that's a positive number in my eyes, knowing how they plan on putting these players in a bubble for their uh, their season. Well, you're right. Uh, 4% is the ideal number. Uh, most medical professionals will tell you that's, that's a good, manageable, workable number. So you're a tick over four, which means you're going in the right direction. I think the challenge that they'll have with – the NBA is, as we touched on earlier, the coaches. And I, I think they've already alluded to the fact that there are some coaches that may not participate. Uh, so that's something you have to make allowance for and what their responsibilities were. You know, again, every time you look at this thing, Joe, there's a new, new branch that grows on this tree of confusion. And we're seeing some other things that I'm sure somebody's taken into account. But how you deal with it after that is going to be the big challenge. Yeah, and we'll uh, and we've already seen some players opt out of playing, and we've also seen who's that? Mike Lee just announced today that he's not going to participate. He's walking away from five million bucks. He's done. Uh, I saw, and then you see other players that are kind of just going around and 
they are uh, they're changing teams in the NBA now that the uh, now that they're able to. So you're seeing some transactions before the season starts. One of the uh, one of the more notable ones, J.R. Smith. It sounds like is going to join the Lakers, and that means that J.R. Smith and LeBron James will be together in the playoffs once again. Yeah, well, I think the two big signs this weekend were J.R. Smith and Yoakam Noah. Uh, with the Clippers. And those two teams are just stockpiling players right now. And I think the Clippers have a little bit of an advantage of skilled players. Uh, but J.R. Smith, and, and I know people remember his so far in the playoffs, when he's right, when he gets it going, he's almost unstoppable from a shooting standpoint. Now, he doesn't guard very well, but he can be instant offense for a, a Laker team that's still looking for a little bit more outside shooting. The, uh, the NBA also said that the NBA and the Players Association, they're working together on the possibility of allowing players to put messages on the back of their jerseys in place of their last names. Now, we already saw John Morant from the, uh, from the Grizzlies. He had a social media post that caused quite a bit of stir on Instagram with uh, what he suggested he might put on the back of his jersey and has already had to come out and explain himself and apologize for that. Do you think that has a case a chance of happening? And if it does, yeah. is there a positive to it? I think there is. I think there is a positive to it. Um, everybody's going to be watching and you can make a statement with a one word or two words on your jersey in, in support of cause. And, and this isn't always, this may not always be about, police reform and social justice. It may be for a cause for a charity of maybe cancer research or something along that line. Uh, I like the concept. Uh, it's a great way for players to voice their opinion about something that's important to them. And I think they'll do it within reason. Um, you know, it, I think they'll have some, some guidelines that you can go by. And it's kind of like what baseball did a few years ago where they had the fun weekend where you could put anything on the back of your jersey uh, your name or uh, your nickname or things like that. And I think the NBA is taking it one step further. So I, I like the concept. I think it's got a good chance to float and fly. And uh, just another way to show how the NBA has become the most progressive sports league we have in this country. We covered the NHL. We covered the NBA. We might as well touch on the, uh, on the NFL where they're still planning full, full steam ahead for the start of their uh, season. And we saw the New England Patriots. They made the news twice <laughs> yesterday. First, it comes out that they, I, I think the first news that came out was they signed Cam Newton right. for basically no money at all, just for a one-year deal, just to see what happens with it. And then it comes out that they were punished yet again for cheating, for filming things they shouldn't be filming. And yet Bill Belichick still has a job in the NFL how many chances is, is that guy going to get? As long as he continues to win, I think they'll look the other way. Um, you know, Belichick can create so many distances, spaces between him and the perpetrators. So, you know, there's plenty of guys that can take the fall for this. I, I think really more, more than anything else, Joe, is with Cam Newton on this team, a bona fide legitimate quarterback. I know he's had some injuries, but – from everything we've seen in the workouts, he looks like he's recovered. But what happens if Cam Newton gets his team moving in the right direction um, and they, they start to win? And what if Belichick wins with Cam Newton? Uh, does that put the final chapter in his book as far as greatness is concerned, showing he can win with more than one guy? Because he wasn't a very good coach before Tom Brady hit town. 
Yeah, and well, doing so with a former MVP and a former number one overall pick and a guy that played in the Super Bowl isn't like going at it with a new Tom Brady, though. It's not like he's going at it with another guy that he drafted 199 overall. It would have been a lot more impressive had he done it with, who was who it, Jared Stitham? Stidham? Yeah, the, uh, yeah the, the guy that was their QB1 before they signed Cam Newton. Now, that would have been impressive. I think doing that with Cam Newton, I mean, yeah, to do it with another quarterback not named Tom Brady will be impressive, but I think that it uh, still, uh, you expect Cam Newton to be still be a good football player. Yeah, I, I would also look at this, and, and you know, the Patriots, I thought, got beat up pretty good. I didn't think their offensive line was as good as it needed to be. Uh, they lost some good players on defense. So I, I would look at their offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage before we can really determine how good this team has a chance to be. Yeah. Um, if, they, if they figure that out, if they fix those elements, then they could be a, a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. Yeah, Although they, all, they have to now go through Kansas City. They also announced that the uh, that the Hall of Fame is going to be canceled this year. The Hall of Fame game, everything that was going to that was scheduled for Canton, Ohio, has been postponed until 2021. So Isaac Bruce, even though he got in, Isaac Bruce has to wait one more year to be able to give his speech in Canton, Ohio. It'll be a good one. I hope to be there. I was I, I was really hoping that that would be maybe the first thing that would be able to come back with everything that now knowing how late in August it was, I was really hoping that somehow that was still able to uh, to be held. But it uh, still they they're not going to do it without the game and everything else that's that's surrounding it. Right. So I'm, I'm you know what one of the things we've learned in this whole thing is patience. So another thing you have to be patient about. We uh we wrap this thing up for today. You know, yeah. One thing I was going to talk about, we didn't get a chance to get into. One little blur today, uh, the USGA announced that Fox yes. is no longer going to be doing the, uh, the, uh, the U.S. Open. I'm wondering, is Fox in a mo- bit of a money situation? Because remember, the baseball contract is about to come up. The NFL contract is about to come up. And, you know, the, the U.S. Open just didn't generate the interest I, I think they felt they were going to have. Throw in the fact that they're losing money this year as well on everything else. Uh, maybe that's something we're going to start to see more of. I know, I, I know ESPN would love to get out of this bowl championship thing where they carry all these meaningless bowl games. Uh, now, I won't say meaningless total because the people who participate in them and the alma maters, uh, the alums love it. But let's face it, they don't make any money off of it. I wonder if there are going to be some other contracts that will be handed off or maybe they just walk away from. That's And Fox is getting out of that, which was a lot of money, and they handed mm-hmm. that contract over to NBC. Also, last week, Fox, who in 2019 started a $1 billion deal with the WWE, they announced that they were stopping a weekly show that they were doing on uh, FS1 on Tuesday nights. They were stopping production of that. And with everything happening in the world of wrestling and not have, they're still putting on weekly shows, but they're not in front of crowds. The ratings have dipped for that too. So I think all the ratings that Fox expected to get from having the WWE on their, uh, on their channel, they are not getting what they thought they were going to get. And I wonder if part of that has to do with looking where else they can, they can get rid of money and seeing if they can get rid of that contract as well. 
I think you may be on to something there. So uh, the landscape's going to change after this thing's over with one way or the other. So I think we're starting to see the beginning of it now with uh, the USGA and Fox. And as you mentioned, the other things that they've made investments in, they just aren't panning out. What do, uh, what do you have scheduled for this week as far as interviews? Anything you can tease? Well, we're going to have Joel Myers, uh, the voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, and also does Saints uh, preseason football, St. Louis. And he was a champion championship broadcaster with the Lakers, championship broadcaster with the San Antonio Spurs. He's been in the business forever. Uh, we're going to talk with him about a few things. Uh, Harrison Bader is going to join us, and uh, we'll probably have Jack Flaherty on this week as well. That, that's just on the surface. We have a few other things we're working on, but it's going to be a busy week for ClavesOnline.com. Very nice. I got a few things that I'm working on as well. Hopefully they all can uh, happen before the holiday weekend. We will be back with you next Monday, but make sure to check out ClavesOnline.com all week long. As I said, uh, starting on, uh, well, we, we have this day in Cardinal history up every single day. And starting Wednesday, it'll be a brand new month of great cardinal memories uh, for uh, for you to relive each and every day. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Joe Roderick. You have been watching and listening to Lunch with Claibs and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, right here on ClaibsOnline.com. Munganas St. Louis Acura would like to extend a huge thank you to our healthcare workers and first responders by offering them several service specials including a free interior detail cleaning. You can call them today to make your appointment and let them help you while you are helping our community. Find them online at stlouisacura.com or give them a call 314-822-2872 for Munganass St. Louis Acura. We love talking to the president and chairman of Ameren, Illinois. He is Richard Mark. Emergency Operations Center acts as kind of a central command center, and everything is dictated from there. They tell the crews that are out in the field where to go, where the main breakers are to go to to de-energize the line, and then they verify that that line is closed, and they're able to tell five, six, seven hundred people that are working out in the field exactly where to go to make the proper repairs to get our system back on in a storm situation.